Welcome to Monday. Again? Already? Yes, indeed. And this is the Monday Mailbag. I'm Bob McElligot taking your questions. However you want to get those to me, I'll give you a couple of options right here. If you're live on Twitter Spaces and you want to ask your question live, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I can bring you on, and you can ask your question just like that. Or, or... If you want to do it what is now the old-fashioned way, you can just send me your question on Twitter or at X. Doggone it. I keep saying it. On X, at Bobby Mac Sports. You can do it that way. So either on Spaces, request to be a speaker, or on X, send your question to me at Bobby Mac Sports. Big weekend for the Blue Jackets. Boy, what a difference a week makes. Last week I did this show prior to a game against Detroit. The Blue Jackets went out and got walloped in that game four to nothing. And then they had to think about it for a couple of days. They had to think about it all day Tuesday. They had to work through a very hard old-fashioned practice on Wednesday, but they were ready on Friday for the Calgary Flames. Scored a big win at home over the Flames on Friday night. Finished their four-game homestand to to uh, begin the season. At two wins and two losses, that was key. To hit the road for the first time, one and three or two and two, I can't tell you how big of a difference that is. Just when it comes to the feeling about everything. How you're feeling about yourself as an individual, how you're feeling about your team as a whole, all of that stuff. It was just so critical to get that win on Friday night against Calgary. And then to go into Minnesota on Saturday, tough place to play especially on a Saturday night. On a Saturday night when they're unveiling their new third jerseys that are a throwback and a tip of the cap to the Minnesota North Stars. Big night. And the Blue Jackets get involved in a seesaw battle, a high-scoring battle, as it turns out. And they win it in overtime. 5-4 to four was the final score in that one. So it was, uh, it was a great two days. A great two days worth of work. Two great wins to put together for the Blue Jackets and a much-needed boost of confidence in this young team early in the season under the direction of a new coach without a star player on Saturday. Patrick Laine was injured at the end of the game on Friday night. We'll talk about that. So facing adversity, they got two big wins, and especially the one on Saturday on the road in Minnesota. That one, that was key. Absolute key. All right, let me get to your questions. And I'll start with this one from Travis. Travis says, after losing Liam Foody to waivers, what's the feeling about potentially losing other players? Is the front office willing to lose anyone else for nothing in return? Well, Travis, we've talked about this whole waiver situation. And and I told you a couple of weeks ago, that the Blue Jackets didn't want to give away players for absolutely nothing, that they didn't want to take a potential asset and get zero in return for that asset. But yet it did happen the other day with uh, Liam Foody. Now, how did this all go down? Well, it started with the injury to Zach Wierenski on opening night. And then the Blue Jackets wanted to bring up David Yurichek to be able to take uh, Zach's place. So immediately... They had to start uh, maneuvering some things. And 
you had uh, what well, Olivier was originally on the injured list. They wanted to bring him off the injured list. You got Wierenski, who was on and then off. And so they put Eric Robinson on waivers, and uh, Robinson winds up clearing waivers. I was a little surprised by that, quite frankly. I thought maybe somebody would pick him up, and, you know, the salary plays into it, I'm sure. But I thought maybe somebody thought they could get something to add to their fourth line with him. But he cleared the waivers, and then he goes down to Cleveland. So then the Blue Jackets uh, do it again uh, this week just to try to uh, see if they could get another guy through. For anybody last year couldn't understand why Liam Foody was here all year and why the Blue Jackets thought some team might take him if he were to go on waivers, now you know because Nashville did just that. They claimed Liam Foody. Now, the difference between Foody and Robinson, even though we've talked about the fact that they were playing a very similar role on this team, Liam Foody is a former first-round draft pick. He's got great speed. He is a player that... You know, missed a lot of time a couple of years ago due to an injury. It is the the perfect scenario for a team to say, I think that we can give this guy a second chance. I think we can find something here with this guy that he wasn't able to find in Columbus for whatever reason. So perfect storm, and they lose him, and they get nothing in return. Now, your check is here. Obviously, your check is going to stay here because you could have just sent him back down to Cleveland when Wierenski was activated and you wouldn't have had a problem. But he's here, they want him here, so they had to make a painful decision. But to answer your question, Travis, what are they willing to lose anybody else for nothing? I say no. They didn't want to lose one guy for nothing. And they ended up having to, to pay that price. So... No, I don't think they're willing to, but what what were they going to do? Obviously, a trade would be ideal, but they can't find a trading partner. They can't, they've been looking for this since the summer. I mean, now you have both Boquist and Peak, who have been healthy scratches the last couple of games. Uh, There's a log jam with the defensemen that like to move somebody out. They can't find a match, so it's, it's just the way it goes, but... Are they willing to do that? No. They didn't want to do it. They knew there was a risk to doing it, and they knew it might happen. It did, but that's not the direction they want to go. But until you can find a a trade partner, it's just kind of, you know, what can you do? You're limited in your choices and your moves, quite frankly. Daryl says, has Brad Larson found employment elsewhere? I haven't seen his name mentioned anywhere, and is that a sign of being a bad coach? Let's start with, the last part. No, it's not. It's not a sign of that at all. It's a sign of a guy who's getting paid for another year, whether he works somewhere else or not. Now, and he and he's not anywhere else right now, but I wouldn't expect that he's not going to resurface somewhere, probably as an assistant coach with somebody. But to answer the question, no, he's not a bad coach. No matter what happened here in his run of being the head coach for those two seasons, it doesn't mean that he's a bad coach. Just didn't work out here. Um, you know, last year was nothing was working for anybody with all the injuries. So he, uh, that doesn't reflect upon him not working this year. doesn't reflect upon him being his ability as a coach. Heck, I mean, if you had a chance to sit out all year and you were still going to get paid, whether you worked or not, would you? Would you? Think about it. Mr. Union Blue says, uh, 
some solid wins for the Blue Jackets over the weekend and said, who's your MVP for this weekend? And what were your thoughts on the goaltending play? Um, also, Mr. Union Blue recommends Justin Danforth for the MVP. And that's a pretty good recommendation, quite frankly, because Danforth had himself uh, a goal and an assist on Friday night against Calgary. And then he had the big goal or a big goal. There wasn't just one big goal. And you can probably say Fantilli's goal was bigger because it was the first of his NHL career. But anyway, he had a goal on Saturday in Minnesota as well. So Danforth is a candidate. And I also say Jack Roslovic should be a candidate for this honor for the weekend because Jack had the assist on Justin's goal on Friday night. He was also driving the net with Sean Corrali on the first goal of that game against Calgary. He didn't get a point for it, but he was driving the net. He created some distraction, and therefore he was a part of it. And then on Saturday, Roslovic scored the game winner in overtime. And I'm thinking back on this, and I, I still have that last rush in my mind. And I thought at one point he was going to trade the puck off to somebody and jump over the boards to the bench. And then all of a sudden, he speeded up. He got to the bottom of the right-wing circle, and he fired a shot, and the game was over, just like that. Now, he was asked after the game about the last rush and the final goal, and he said, I'm not going to talk about it. It was a good shot. Oh, yeah, it was. I I really wish he would have talked about the thought process and the approach and you know what he may have seen at the red line and why it was that all of a sudden he kicked it into a high gear, you know, what what tipped him off, all those things. But he just said, I don't want to talk about it. That's his right. But I think he uh, deserves a co-share of that MVP. And I'll say Danforth and Roslovic. And ironically, they were both on the uh, the same line on Friday. And then Roslovic moved up on Saturday with the, uh, the loss of Patrick Laine due to injury. He jumped up and played with Adam Fantilli and Alexander Texier. And he did a good job. And maybe, I know Danforth had more points, but maybe maybe Jack should get a a little uh, extra for changing his role and still being just as effective on Saturday night. Or maybe I'm just saying that because that was my pick. You never know. Now, you know. That, that That's exactly what I was doing. What else do we have here? Uh, Lauren says, does Pascal Vincent remind you of John Tortorella? On the surface, that's a funny question. On the surface, it's funny. You just put them side by side and listen to them talk for 30 seconds. You have one answer to that question. But if you go further, that answer might change. And I'll point out what I mean because Lauren's question goes further. She says, I love the simplicity of Pascal's outlook on the game, his willingness to dish out a tough practice, and the revival of belief in swagger that we are already seeing. So see, Lauren's already made a comparison, and I think she's right. I think she's hitting the nail on the head with this. They are different personalities, but they are similar in their beliefs and their accountability standards and their way of going about holding players 
to those standards. I think that they are very similar in those regards. And, um, and, and I like that. I get that, that practice last Wednesday was old school, old school practice. Some coaches would shy away from that. Some young first-year NHL head coaches would shy away from that for sure, not knowing how their players are going to react to it. Now, even though he had an idea of how they would react to it because he's been around here for two years previous as an assistant, even though he had a good idea how they would react, I don't think he cared how they reacted. I think he knew that there were many of those players that were expecting that kind of practice on that particular day. For your old school guys and guys that have been around for a while, your good Bransons, your Corrales, your Jenners, they're not stupid. They looked at the calendar and they said, well, Monday we got embarrassed at home. Tuesday we had a day off. We don't play again until Friday. So you circle Wednesday in your mind at the very least because you have an idea that if there's going to be a message-sending practice, that is the day, and you expect it. I think as a veteran player that's been through it before and knows what it takes to be successful, I think that you expect it. And so there's another variable. If you expect it and you don't get it, now that creates another set of questions in your mind, right? I mean, for a young guy, do you expect it? I don't know if you do or not, but if you don't get it, okay. Whew. Well, we dodged a bullet there, right? But did you? No, you didn't. As an older guy, you expect it. You expect to be held to a standard and an accountability, and then if you're not, then you start going, well, wait a minute. I thought we had this expectation here, and if we're going to reach that expectation, then I know from previous experience these are the steps we have to go through to get to it. And we didn't take the step. So are we really trying to get there, or are we just talking about getting there? Right? So I I thought Pascal Vincent... He, he checked all the boxes with that practice. Every single one of them. Players got what they expected to get. He sent the message that he needed to send. They received the message, and they responded. Check, 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 check. Did I check one more box than I put out there? Probably. But anyway. Um, oh, and Lauren also says... Have we come to a conclusion yet on how often the referee drops the puck during the game? If you listen to our conversation with Sean Corrali last week on the inside edge, Jody Shelley and I were talking about the referee dropping the puck at the beginning of the period. And the three of us at that moment in time, as we were talking about it, couldn't remember if the referee just drops it at the beginning of the game or at the beginning of all three periods. And, you know, that, that just shows that, we were all out to lunch at the same time. But (laughs) I did specifically, specifically watch that on Saturday, Lauren. I don't know what made me think of it. Yes, I do. Second period was starting. I saw the referee with the puck, and I said to myself, 
oh, yeah, he's dropping the puck. Beginning of the period. We just talked about this, and we couldn't remember it last week. So I made sure that I consciously looked during the third period as well, and the referee dropped the puck at the beginning of that period too. And, and as we talked about in our discussion, you know, because Sean is of the opinion that the linesman should drop the puck at all times and the referee should drop the puck never because it's it's different the way they do it. And you're talking about the first battle of every shift and you're talking about the beginning of the game and he just feels, as a guy that takes a lot of face-offs, that the linesman should always do it and not the referees. And then I brought up the fact that the referee gets to be on camera at the beginning of the game when they come in and, you know, did you do you really want to give that up? If that's your five seconds of FaceTime, you want to give that up? So, no surprise, they do it at the beginning of every period because that's 15 seconds of FaceTime instead of just five. Let's go to uh, X Spaces right now. And joining me live on Spaces to ask his question is Donald. Donald? Welcome to today's Monday Mailbag. I cannot hear Donald. Okay. All right, we'll come back. We'll come back here in just a second. Let's go to another question. This one is from uh, Peyton. Peyton says, Does it look like from your point of view that Johnny Gaudreau is frustrated about not scoring a goal this season? He has five points, but from what I noticed on the last power play against the Wild, he looks frustrated that he hasn't yet scored. Thoughts. I don't think he's like specifically frustrated about that. I, I mean, there are times in the game where you have a good look and you think maybe you can get a goal and you might be frustrated in that moment, but I don't know that Johnny's walking around going, doggone it, I should have a goal already. What's wrong here? What's the matter? Five games, I don't have a goal. I don't think that because Johnny is a, a playmaker and he's an assist guy, and as you just said, he has five points, so he's a point-of-game player right now, which is good. Um, you know, maybe maybe in that moment, like I said, maybe there was a specific look that he had and he thought he should have got one and he didn't. But uh, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's walking around every day ticked off that he doesn't have a goal. I think he's fine with that. All right, let's try Donald again. Let's see if I can have any more luck with Donald. And getting them is on it working the now? Yeah, there you are. There it is. All right. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, I want to expand a little bit more on Pascal and just kind of get your your thoughts, especially after a lot of negative online pushback, which happens, uh, based on benching KJ the first game and, you know, how you think he's handling the roster in these lines right now. Well, I I think he's uh I think he's done a fine job. I Look, the Kent Johnson benching in the first game, he's sending the message right away. He felt that there was a level that you have to practice to. And you have to have uh, you have to be giving X amount of effort to be able to get into the lineup. And there was something about what Kent Johnson was doing he just didn't think was good enough, and therefore he didn't play him in the first game. He's put him in, and he's played every game after that. So that is, uh, you know, he's... I think he's handled that fine. Now, you know, when you get to the, the whole fourth line and the mixing and matching and, and different guys all the time, I mean, again, some of that was uh, – some of that was your hand was forced a bit because of uh, injuries and, 
you know, who you had to put on waivers and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think he's pushing the buttons fine here uh, with what he has. I, I think he's put some guys, look, he put Roslevic on a fourth line wing position, which I'm sure Jack wasn't exactly happy with, but what did Jack do? He went out and he had success on Friday night. He got his promotion and he had success again on Saturday. So, you know, if, uh, if you're putting them out there to where you think they can have success, whatever that position is, and they respond to it and they do, then I think you're doing a fine job with it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that a lot of the folks that were upset with the head coaching situation over the summer are going to be pleasantly surprised. And I think this is going to work out in the end, you know? Oh, you mean uh, all those people that uh, for weeks on end you had to read everything and then um, – and then they, they felt they were justified in everything they had been saying, and then it was going to be the, the end of the world, and now all of a sudden Pascal seems to have this team. They, he has their attention. He has them pointing in the right direction. Those people? Yep, all those people. <laughs> and, I mean, I there were a couple national pundits saying that maybe this should have been the head coaching move from the beginning, and they, they might have something there. There were some local ones too. Yeah. I know one. So you're talking to one now, and, but when, when I say that, and, and again, Donald, I, I want to be, I want to be clear on this. I think in a perfect world, like if I'm the general manager and this is just me talking, if I'm the general manager, even if I know that this guy not only qualifies, but he's probably going to be the best guy for this job and, and he's an assistant coach and, and I just promoted an assistant coach and it did not go well at all. How many of you out there are going to believe me when I say to you, oh, no, 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 don't, don't worry about what I just did two years ago. Don't worry about that. This is going to work this time. You know, it's a hard sell. It is a hard sell. And, and they thought that they needed somebody that maybe was a old school mentality to try to whip this team into shape, I think. You know, just like Ken Hitchcock did when he was here, just like John Tortorella did when he was here. But I think what we're finding out slowly but surely is – they now have the guy that has that mentality that doesn't have all of the other things that were that turned out to be undesirable along the way. So you understand what I mean, Donald? I'm not saying, look, I could have told you this. I, I'm saying I understand why they did what they did, but I'm also happy that it's worked out to where he's gotten this opportunity. And and it's only five games into 82. I get that. I understand. But he's, he's saying and doing the right things. No, yeah, absolutely. And on – on the same page, all the all the Yarmo haters that were saying that he's on the hot seat and this and that. I mean, if this season keeps going in this in this direction and we're competing for the playoffs, they they all need to take a seat and just watch this develop because I think we're on the right path. But, but Donald, you know, you you do know deep somewhere in your heart that most of them will just change everything they've been saying and try to sell you on the fact that they never said that or. They'll tell you that it's just extreme luck, or they'll tell you that it doesn't matter because in the end, it's still not going to work anyway. <laughs> yeah, they'll be dirt, dirty deleting those tweets for sure. They won't delete. <laughs> no, they won't delete them. They well, some of them will. You're right. Some will cowardly delete them. But Donald, thank you. Glad uh, glad we got this working today. Today we could talk. Thank you. Have a great one. All right. Thanks. Yeah, they won't delete them. Some of them will just leave them there. I'm right. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care what, anyway, doesn't matter. It's a social media world and that's for the good and for the bad. No doubt about that. Uh, Mitchell has this question for me. It says, what do you think about Rasmus Anderson's hit on Patrick line a, and what about him being able to appeal? 
also, I'm going to, I was going to stop there and start to speak, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish. Also, I've seen people sticking up for him in saying it was too harsh of a punishment. Do you agree or disagree with the Twitter haters? Here we go again. Uh, love to hear your comments about this. Listen, that was a dirty hit. There was no reason. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. No reason for him to take that run at Patrick Line A at that part of the game with three seconds left and Line A's trying to shoot for an empty net. Okay? That was stupid. Shouldn't have done it. Now, I know he's a guy that doesn't have a history of being a dirty player, and I know that's why some people say, well, the four-game suspension is just, it's too much. It's too much. It's harsh. Did you see the hit? When you leave your feet and you go after somebody's head, and when you do it in that situation, a game that you were not going to win, like nothing was going to change. You were going to lose whether you hit him or you didn't hit him. So why hit him like that? Or if you want to hit him, why don't you just go body to body? Okay? Get your frustration out by just a, a solid hit at the end and skate away. Why do you leave your feet and why do you go after his head? Because you're frustrated? Because your team couldn't get anything going all night? I, I, okay, I understand the frustration, but that's not the way to get it out. That's not it. So, let me go through Mitchell's questions questions again and address them one at a time. What do I think about him being able to appeal the suspension? I don't think anything about it because you're allowed to appeal. It doesn't mean that you're going to win the appeal. But I, I saw some people complaining about why would the players' union even appeal this? What about the other player that got hurt? Listen, look, I've never been in a union, but I've been around a lot of people that have been in unions, and they're going to appeal it. It's not, like from their perspective, it's not, uh, hey, sorry, Patrick, uh, we don't care about you. It's not that. It's that they're just trying to, they're trying to help one guy. Is it at the expense of another guy? You can make that argument, but that's how it works. They have the right to do it. Whoops, just almost knocked my microphone off there. They, they have the right to do it, so they, they're doing it. That's fine. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Now, if it gets reduced, I might, I might care about that. I won't care about the appeal. I, I might care about the result of the appeal, but I'm fine. They're, they're appealing. Fine. That's great. Um, so what's the other part? Oh, the people sticking up for him and saying that it is too harsh of a punishment. Too harsh. I don't think it's too harsh. It could have been five games. It's only four. Here's the real problem. Okay. Here's the real problem. Calgary has that Heritage Classic coming up where they're going to play outdoors. And he's not going to be able to play in that game because of this suspension. For that, I have two words. Boo-hoo. If you were so worried about playing in that game, don't make the hit. Okay? Now, I, I, don't, I don't think it was too long of a suspension. I think it could have been one game more if they wanted to, and it wouldn't have phased me in the least. But 
for people, and I know there are people that are talking about him not being able to play in the outdoor game, if he finishes the game the way that he was supposed to, there wouldn't have been any penalty whatsoever. And he could play in your precious outdoor game and everybody would be happy. But he didn't do that. He made a conscious decision to go after a guy's head and now he might not get to play outside. Remember when you were a kid, when you did something wrong, you might not be allowed to play outside. Same thing holds. I have zero bad feelings if he can't play in that game. Too bad. Nature of the beast. Action, reaction. Right? You chose to uh, commit an action. Now there's a reaction. You're going to get the four games. So, Mitchell, that's how I feel about that. I'm not even all that fired up about it. I wasn't that fired up about it. I, I was reading social media earlier today, and I was like, what? Jeez, of course he can appeal it for crying out loud. Why, why are you upset about that? Of course he can appeal the thing. So, anyway, that's what I think. Let's go back to uh, Spaces, and let's talk to Paul. Always reasonable and level-headed. Right, Paul? Yeah. Absolutely. That's the same to say, <laughs> that's, that sounded really convincing. You're like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's me. Sure. Yeah, your first mistake to being level-headed is, uh, you know, you just got to stay away from the, uh, stay away from that social media. Oh, uh, I know. I, 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 I was good <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday I was just, uh, I was just off in my own world yesterday and not paying much attention to it. So today was kind of like a catch-up day, knowing that I was going to do this show, and I was like, oh, my God. why? I shouldn't catch up. I should just start today and go from there because there's enough that can just totally frustrate you starting today, let alone going back to yesterday. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to say, I think uh, I think Severson really has responded well from his, uh, his little benching, I guess, on Monday. Um and I'm got me thinking because I was at the game on on Friday. I saw the guys play, and I couldn't help but think this is probably the first time, and at least since probably 2019, when Jones, Wierenski, Gavrikov, Savard were uh, all together. Where I was like, "Wow, we really have like three solid defensive lines." Where you're not nervous about throwing any guys out there. Do you get the same sense that way? Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. And. Um... You know, let's go back to the social media talk for a second here. The good Branson haters that have been out there for all, you know, first of all, his contract was too long in term. He got paid too much and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, okay, there at times there, there, there's been a game here and there where it's given that crowd a, a little fuel for their fire. But I'll tell you what, I think you're absolutely right. I think it goes one through six, and I think the good Branson and Jake Bean pairing has been really good, quite frankly, and a lot of credit to Bean there, too, after starting off the training camp with an injury and not getting in until the next-to-last preseason game. I think he has played really well. And good Branson, the other night he was – the other night he was back in a – it was a two-on-one, I do believe, and he went down to the ice to block the pass – while he was on his stomach, he reached out with his stick, stole the puck off the blade of the Minnesota Wild player's stick, all in the same motion, and I was like, whoa, 
Now, that's pretty good. Now, look, this guy's been in the league for a long time. He's been on good teams, and I have said repeatedly, and I'm sure I've said it on this show, so it's going to be a repeat of that, but Erica Branson, if you have a good team and if you have a playoff team, there is no reason he cannot be the right shot on your third pair of defensemen. No reason. He, I mean, he's good and he is solid. And that's what I'm seeing from him. You talk about the Severson thing. You know, earlier Lauren had asked that question about the comparing Pascal Vincent and John Tortorella. Remember when John Tortorella in the last game of the year benched Seth Jones? And then, uh, and, and I would talk with Torts about this all the time, uh, both on and off the air. You know, sometimes I'd say, eh, hard to believe that you benched that guy once. And he would laugh and say, yeah, but I only had to do it once. He knew he was in the wrong, I was in the right, and he made sure it never happened again. And I think that's where Damon Severson is right now, too. He was very, very honest about it after, you know, he said, I, I made a horrible pass. I'm trying to do too much. That's not my game. That was stupid, and I deserve to be sitting where I was sitting for the remainder of that game. And then he's just gone out there, and he's been great ever since. They got him because they thought he was great. They got him because they knew he could help. And now, now I think he just that – was, that was an early wake-up call to say, listen, we didn't bring you here and give you that money so you could be something different. We brought you here and we paid you to do what you do. Now, go do it. And that's what I've seen from him for the last couple of games. So I agree with you, Paul. I think uh, the six guys that are playing, now that Zach is back in there especially, and, uh, you know, your check and your check's going to have good games and bad games as it goes along here because he's a rookie. But um, but it's looked it's looked pretty good uh, so far. And I didn't even mention Provorov, who, you know, here's another guy that sometimes when he tries to do too much, he can put himself in jeopardy. But uh, I think he's... I think he settled in. I, again, the message was sent last week. That it was an overall message, and everybody just responded to it in the last two games and did what they're supposed to do. And that, to me, that includes all six of those D-men. I absolutely agree. I've, I've been trying to think, you know, what – you know, it's only, only been five games, so it's hard to make any type of judgment calls on what you expect from the team and how they're going to play. You know, I get to give it at least 10 or a dozen games before you're like, okay, this is the team we're expecting. Um, but, you know, I definitely threw the first five games, accountability is the overall theme. That's what you can expect from the whole season. Yeah, and, 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 if you don't, and if you don't get that message delivered and enforced in the first five, forget about 10 and 20 because you're not going to have much to work with. You're, you're going to be, as a coach, you're going to be chasing. So I'm glad he I'm glad he did that. But I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. I was gonna say for all the people that uh, are you know are, are haters of of Gabranson, after Patrick Line was laid out, first guy that was in there was Gabranson. He was on that guy's ass quick. Yeah, former teammate that he went after there too, right? I mean, in a hurry, he didn't was matter. Right there and he was he wasn't gonna let that guy up until three guys took him off. Nope. It was I was happy to see it. Right, and that's the other thing that he was brought in here for. And, uh, yeah, we've seen in, in the past two games especially, I think we've seen all facets of Eric and Branson, and he's not the only guy on that list. So uh, glad you're not a hater, Paul. Really glad. Not not, not yet, no. <laughs> Definitely probably never will be. <laughs> 77 games left to be a hater if you want to. you got no. a long ways left. <laughs> I got to enjoy the little things. I agree, uh, 100%, especially after last year because there was so – few enjoyable moments 
that being three and two and, and winning two games back to back over the weekend is a it's a much better way to start things here, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, heck, when are you ever going to see Cole Sillinger beat up Nazahim Kadri? <laughs> hey, and by the way, what if you noticed in that game, Kadri was invisible after that. He wasn't. He didn't do anything. He skated. He played the rest of the game, but he didn't. He was not a factor after that. And uh, that kind of, uh, I don't know if it surprises me, but it, it really makes what Cole did in standing up right there stand out because that's a top player for them. And yet he was taken out of the game or taken off his game, whatever it was. He was a non-threat from there on out. So kudos to Cole. Absolutely. I wasn't sure if I'm pretty sure Nas wasn't uh, expecting that from Sillinger. And I think there's, I got to imagine part of Sillinger was like the second he realized who he was about to fight, he was probably like, Oh crap. And just swung as fast as he could. (laughs) You know, what was the game? um, Was it the Rangers game or the Detroit game? One of the first ones when uh, Goodbranson went after somebody and after Cole was involved, because I had people say to me, well, you know, this is Cole's third year. He's a pretty strong kid. Can he stand up for himself and, and fight his own battles? And that got answered against Calgary. The answer is yes. Oh, he absolutely can. And uh, we don't need it from him all the time, but no. it's good to see once in a while. No, you don't want it from him all the time because, you know, <laughs> well, one swing of a fist into a helmet and a broken finger, broken hand has you out for four to six weeks. So you don't want that, but. It is nice to uh, see him do that, and and the message is sent now because they they all know what's going on all over the league, right? The next guy that mm-hmm. comes to hit Cole Sillinger has got to be thinking, this guy will fight me. So 100%. Maybe Kadri wasn't thinking that, but everybody else will think, oh, this this guy will fight me. And if he gets 100%. me if he gets me by the scruff of the neck, he's going to jab me with that left hand about 100 times if I give him the opportunity. So they all know. They know. Thank you, Paul. Very good, Bob. Well, I appreciate it, and I look forward to your call tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. If you're with me on Spaces, request to be a speaker. You can come aboard, and you can give me your opinions. You can ask your questions, and we'll see where it goes from there. Just like Lester, who's always got good views, mostly good views, sometimes good views. Hello, Lester. How are you? Yeah, how you doing? You know, um, your timing's pretty good. You've done these mailbag shows after wins. If you'd done them after the Detroit game or the Philadelphia game, I, you would have had a hostile crowd, I think. I would have had last year. Yeah, yeah. Last year I did them after um, so many losses, Lester, that I just I want to do them after wins this year. I think it's it all needs to balance out, so that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's a good strategy. I, 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 I'm going to disappoint you, but I didn't like the bow tie Friday night. You looked, you looked like my eighth grade science teacher. Why did I wear it? Uh, probably for Star Wars. Yeah, because it had a tie fighter on it. I thought it was cute. And uh, that, did I just say I thought it was cute? What's wrong with me? Anyway, it was different, and uh, I don't know. It kept kept hitting me in the chin all night long so i don't really I, I don't see me wearing it again so if that makes you feel better good well if you start talking about igneous rocks and quartz <laughs> and sediment and everything else and you know little factoids as weed ends from the breaks I, i'm gonna get scared I, I hated that stuff so much i couldn't even fake it with you right now and make up something to try to sound like that so you're good we're all in the clear there and i'll just wear a regular tie from now on i'd like to go no tie why do i have to wear a tie I'm on the radio. Why do I have to wear a tie? Can't I just go open collar? Anyway, go ahead, Lester. Anyway, um, 
a lot of people are really appalled by what happened to Line A, but I've been watching hockey for 55 years, and I can tell you right now, I've seen a lot worse. I remember the Good Friday Massacre in 1984, the Forbes-Boucher incident in 1975. The night back in 72, they arrested half the St. Louis team in a brawl in uh, Philadelphia and took them downtown and locked them up. So, I mean, the, the, the 70s were like the, the old West here in the United States. They were rough times. And, and while I don't like what happened at all, and I agree, he, he needs to serve out that suspension. I mean, there's absolutely no excuse for it whatsoever. But, again, hockey has been cleaned up a lot. It is nothing like it used to be. And a lot of incidents like that went on for years, really in the 70s and 80s. And it seemed like once Eric Lindros came into the league and they whacked him like that a couple of good times and caused him some bad concussion issues and, and kind of – impacted his career the nhl got serious about it because they're like we can't be having this happen to our star players and so they really cleaned things up a lot so hopefully patrick will be okay he'll be back in the lineup soon and we can move on from this but i have a feeling it'll be dealt with when they play calgary again oh that game has been circled already for sure and you know unfortunately it's not going to be in front of the home fans here because that would that would be extra sweet but um, yeah, they're not going to forget about it. And you're right. The, the game used to be way, way worse than that. But as you said, uh, you, you just can't go after guys' heads, especially in today's world when we know what what happens with concussions and, and all that stuff. And uh, you, you just can't have it. And to your point, a lot of people say the NHL doesn't protect its, its uh, stars as much as it should, doesn't do it as much as football. I mean, look. Can't even put a hand on the quarterback anymore without getting a, a penalty called on you for crying out loud. Uh, in in a lot of cases, but um, but yeah, I think they got this one right, and they they've got to stop. They've stopped a lot of that stuff. It'd be great if they could stop it all, but let's be honest, it won't. There's going to be incidents here and there, and uh, you just hope for the best. But yeah, I thought he got what he deserved. Yeah, so far as Good Branson is concerned, uh, I remember last year you supported that signing, and, and so did I. Um, I. I liked it when they did it because when I heard about it the day they signed him, I mean, I thought back to the season before when I watched Oliver Bjorkstrand get bullied a lot. He's not a real big guy, and I remember one night particularly against the Rangers, they were just on him every time he was on the ice, and I thought, this guy is going to help solve that problem. Then I got home from work that night and saw they'd signed Johnny Gaudreau, and I realized that the casualty was probably going to be Bjorkstrand because of the salary cap. But I really do believe this this guy is a real leader in the locker room. He's a guy that they definitely needed. And if people want to criticize the signing, so be it. But I like having him on our team. And you're kind of talking about the other night. What happened was it was in the two it was in the Monday game against the Red Wings. Sillinger got cheap shotted and knocked to the ice in a very awkward position. And while he was down, Good Branson went after Clem Costin. Right. And when I came home, like, I sit in Section 103. I watch the game from that angle. But when I get home, no matter how bad or good the game was, I watch it again from the reverse angle on TV. And what I saw when I watched it on TV that I didn't see at the arena that night was when Costin went to fight Good Branson with his first punch he tried to throw. He didn't throw a punch. When he got his hand up near the left side of Good Branson's head, he took his two fingers and unsnapped his chin strap on his helmet. And then when he finally threw his first real punch, he hit the underside of the face guard on Good Branson's helmet and knocked his helmet off his head. That was something I really didn't like. So Good Branson really had to take kind of a, a beating in that fight he shouldn't have had to have taken because he's hitting helmet and Costin's hitting his head. 
So I'm sure that when uh, Cole Sillinger saw that and he had the altercation with Kadri on Friday night or whenever it was, Saturday, Friday. Friday night, yeah. He just put, yeah, he just put on his big boy pants and he took care of the situation himself. And I imagine that had a real galvanizing effect on the team because it's kind of a message that the young kids, they can take care of themselves. And I think that they can. And I think it just had a, a big impact on that game from that point on. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree a lot. And, you know, you're not the first person that's talked about the unsnapping of the helmet. And, you know, really, it's a smart play, to be honest with you, because, you know, everybody – well, most everybody's got the uh, the half shields now, right? And uh, because you have to wear them, except for the guys that are grandfathered. And if you can get that helmet off that other guy, your job gets much easier, much more quickly. Um, I, I wonder when you see something like that, if at some point the league doesn't look at that and say, no, you can't do that. If that helmet comes off, that's one thing, but you, you can't be making sure of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think you're right about the Cole incident uh, against Kadri uh, on Friday night. I, I think I think that was the message. Look, hey, I appreciate you being there for me on Monday, but I got this one. I'm going to take care of this one. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that's that's always a, a positive thing, especially with the older guys in the room. Yeah. I think that as the season wears on, I think we're going to have our ups and downs. There will be some really good games, and maybe they'll have a string of good games. We're going to say, oh, man, this team's really turned the corner, and then they'll maybe have a bad couple of games or maybe a bad week. I, I think this is kind of a, a the whole team. It's a it's sort of a growing experience. They're going to have to learn how to play well together, which I think that they are doing. But uh, I think for those who think playoffs, I have two major concerns about that going down the road. And one of them is around the 23rd of January to the 26th of February, they only have one home game. They've got the all-star break in there, and then they play nine away and one home. And that's going to be kind of a tough stretch for this team, especially as young as it is. And then at the tail end of the schedule, they have to play four straight road games before they come home to play Carolina in the finale of the year. And if you're fighting for a playoff spot then, if they're fortunate enough to be in that position, they're, they're really going to have to earn it because they're going to have to do a lot of work on the road. Oh, I agree. I agree. Hey, they're undefeated on the road, so that's good. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right, and it's um, everything you said is is spot on. You know, and I've said the the playoffs would be great if you're not going to be in. I think you should be challenging. It is and very deep into the season, challenging too. Um, whether they get there or not this year, I'm not so sure of that. But it's a much improved squad from last year there's no doubt about that and you're right it's it's easy to get you know we could be sitting here next week so what do we got this week we got anaheim here tomorrow and then go to montreal and then uh, the game here on saturday you know a week from now you know something goes dead wrong and you lose all three games then it's a totally different feeling so you're right there are going to be ebbs and there are going to be flows and, and and just just enjoy the highs and and uh you know hope they balance out the lows for the most part but um it's just good to – you can see the potential, though, right, Lester? I mean, the the, the oh, potential yeah. is there, and that's what last year, it just got to a point where you were like, ah, you might as well root to finish last because even if you don't want to finish last, it's, I don't know if this team has the talent to do anything else, you know? Well, you know, if they make the playoffs this year, let's say they did, and they got bounced in the first round, the, first, the last thing I want to hear is people going out and saying, oh, they can't win in the playoffs. 
balderdash and to compare this year's team to teams of the past is absolute completely apples and oranges i think this is a different team and in some ways a different organization and i think they've got a lot of success laying in front of them i don't think you're gonna have a situation where they go to the playoffs every year and they're one and done i i think they're gonna learn to play together over time and we're going to enjoy a lot of success going forward. Really, if they miss the playoffs this year, then I'd just as soon finish 11th from the bottom and win the lottery and get that <laughs> Celebrini kid, and then right. really put the rest of the leg on notice. Right. Now, I, I understand what you mean. And, and again, what, it's easy to forget that, you know, the, uh, the Felino, Atkinson, Savard, Jones, I'm, that core, it didn't just happen overnight. There was work that came to it, and there was time for it to to grow and mature and then become that successful group that they were. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're just at the beginning stages of that. Yeah. Hey, it's always good to talk to you. You have a great week. Thanks, Lester. Appreciate it. You too. Uh, again, if you're with me on uh, Spaces live right now, and if you want to come on the show, just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up. Going to go back to X right now, and uh, JacketsFan27 says, how do you feel about our new defensive zone system where our forwards don't pressure the opposing defenseman at the blue line? I see it working for us, so I like the strategy, but it just seems odd allowing opponents an easier time setting up in our defensive zone. Well, it depends how you look at it because they're packing it in more towards the goaltender and they're defending the slot and they're defending the crease. And even though you may not go out and challenge and push that guy at the blue line, what you're doing is, in many ways, you're controlling where the shots are going to come from. And if they're going to shoot it from that blue line, then there's going to be a lot of bodies in between that shot and the goaltender. Uh, but you're, but what they've really done a good job of doing is pushing the shots to the outside and getting them to where they're at uh, bad angles and where the goaltender, and trying to open up lanes where the goaltender can see them. So that is the that's the real key to it. But one thing I think about the defensive system is it is much, much simpler than what they tried to do last year where they were playing the read man zone or whatever the heck it was. You know, it wasn't a man-to-man. It wasn't a zone. It was a hybrid, and guys were confused, and they were all over the place. And if you asked them about it, they'd say, well, no, it's a, it's really not the system. We just, you know, we should know how to play it. But But they didn't. But it didn't work. They ended up going away from it as the year went on. And, of course, they went away from it for two reasons. Number one, players were struggling. Number two, then when you had some of your top key players out of the lineup anyway and you brought in less experience, you wanted to go to a a much simpler system. So, um, to me, that's a big thing. You know, keep the shots to the outside. Keep Keep them away from your goalie. Try to take away the really good quality chances, and I think that they have done that with. Uh, I, I think they've done that well so far this season. Uh, Melissa says, "I'm kind of worried about putting Fantilli on the wing so far. I know he takes face off sometimes, but isn't he supposed to be our future centerman? And wouldn't we want him getting used to playing that position in the NHL?" Well, Melissa, look. There's a lot of cases where a guy is a centerman, but he comes into the league and he starts on the wing because there's less responsibility, less defensive responsibility more specifically. That happened on this team 
Alexander Wenberg was the first-round pick. Came in, he didn't play center right away, he played wing. Pierre-Luc Dubois was a first-round pick. Didn't play center right away, played wing. Fantilli, playing wing, as Pascal Vincent puts it, it doesn't matter who's taking the face-off. As soon as the puck drops, it's three forwards and two defensemen. Now, am I 100% into that? I know what he means. I know what he's saying. But let's be honest. He's playing the wing. And with line A out of the lineup, now he got to go to the center position, and that's where he's going to stay until Patrick returns. And maybe he stays there beyond Patrick's return. We'll have to wait and see how that all works out. But don't be worried. Here's my whole thing. Don't be worried about him playing on the wing. It's not like it is going to be detrimental to his development as an NHL forward because it's not. It's going to be just fine. But what he played, like, but that being said, I agree with you in the fact that I'd like to see him play center and just play center and get better and better and better at playing that position. But again, it's all, it's all in due time. The guy's played five career games. So there's a lot of time. But don't, it, whether it's center or wing, is it going to hurt his development? No. No, it's not. Uh, let me see. What else do I have here? I have, um, how about this one? What do you think about the long-term solution for goaltending? If Elvis doesn't work out this season, do we move on? Do we have a strong enough guy to take over for the future, or do we trade for one? Well, look, the goaltending, it's like this. Do we have somebody to take over if Elvis isn't the guy I don't know. Why do I say I don't know? Because Daniil Tarasov should be the hands-down yes answer to that question. Why is he not the yes answer to that question? Because he has been injured so much, and he hasn't played. So how can you know if he is a long-term solution when he can't stay healthy for the short term? That's a problem. Okay. If he's healthy and he's playing and developing the way that has been talked about for years, that answer would be yes. If this doesn't work out, that's too bad, but you've got a great plan B and you'll just go with it. Spencer Martin has played well for the Blue Jackets in a couple of appearances so far. Is he a long-term solution? I don't know that he is. Would you have to go get somebody? I guess. But are you really going to walk away from Elvis? I don't see it. I mean, he's got a big contract. There's a lot of money tied up in him. People will say, well, I could just buy him out. Do you know what that means, just buying him out? It's not You don't just go on a whim and buy people out because it still counts against your cap. Uh, you still got to pay a portion of the salary for twice the amount of time left on the contract. So what would that be? It would still have uh, three years left. So you'd still have to shell out money for six years, you know? I mean, if you're... If you had a car that wasn't driving the way you wanted it to and you had to flip it and still pay for it for six more years, even though you weren't driving it and you were going out and getting a brand new one that is going to cost you twice as much, are you in a hurry to do that or are you in a hurry to figure out how to fix the one you have? You know what I mean? I'd be fixing the one I have. And they hope that the system and the personnel around him 
is going to help Elvis. The other night, I thought he was okay. He's also a guy that had been sick for the last couple of days. And so, you know, he was he was still battling that, trying to get back into it. But he won the game. So, you know, are, are we worried about are we worried about uh, how pretty it looks? Or are you worried about just winning the game? But do we? Is there a long term solution besides him? At the moment, I would say no. But again, Tarasov is that wild card. But he's got to get healthy and he's got to play. Let's go back to spaces. The Cincy Jackets fan is going to come on the Monday mailbag. If if I can get you to unmute. There you go. How are you? Are you not there? Cincy Jackets fan. Are you with me? It's got to be something on your end there. Because it just worked. See, at the beginning of the show, I was worried because it didn't work. And then it uh, and then it did work. Now let's see if we can get it to work. Can you, uh, do I have you? No. So I'll tell you what. Here's Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to take that off. And then uh, Cincy Jackets fan, if you want to uh, request to be a speaker again, I'll bring it up again. And we'll give it another try and see if it works for you this time. Uh, Blue Jackets at home tomorrow night. Taking on the uh, Anaheim Ducks. I guess that's a no about coming back on because it just dropped out. All right. Anaheim Ducks are here tomorrow night. Don't forget, if you're going to the game tomorrow, the game begins at 6.30. Not at 7 o'clock. At 6.30 tomorrow night. And I'm telling you that for a good reason. Because I have to say that as many times as I possibly can to remind myself to be there on time. <laughs> I'm half kidding. Uh, but it's it's a weird start time. But, of course, tomorrow, every team in the National Hockey League is playing. And ESPN is setting up a, a whip around. So there are staggered start times throughout the league. And then ESPN will be going in and checking in and out on every game that's going on at the same time, very much like the NFL red zone where they just check in once the team's inside the 20-yard line. They go from game to game. So that's what ESPN's going to be doing tomorrow, and that's why the game is starting at 6.30 tomorrow night and not at 7 o'clock. So, again, as many times as I can tell you the game starts at 6.30, it reminds me that I have to be there and ready for the game to start at 6.30. All right. Noah. Wants to be on the show. Hello, Noah. Welcome to the Monday Mailbag. As you're with me live on Spaces, Noah, unmute. There you go. Bobby Mac Attack, what's up? How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine, thanks. Um, I just wanted to ask you kind of a, first of all, I wanted to, two different things. Let me get organized here. So the, the hit online a Friday night, uh, it, it, you see the four-game suspension that Anderson got. Uh, and I just wanted to make the viewers or listeners aware that I saw that he could get lose up to ninety three grand in yep. pay for this. Yeah. And I think I feel like a lot of times we just say, "Oh my God, these are huge numbers! Like it really doesn't mean much." Whatever, whatever. But if you think about it, four out of eighty two games is a pretty significant percentage of his of the season, right? Like I think about the jobs that we do. 
you know, if, if we did something in one second and lost, you know, five to six percent of our salary, that's a big deal. Yep. So let's let's hope that that appeal is unsuccessful. Personally, as a Blue Jackets fan, I didn't like the hit. I can understand, like when I used to play, you know, when you're in sports and you're like, ah, the, you're about to lose the game. You know, who cares if I take a penalty? So, you know, and there's not much time left in the game. So it's good to see that they have systems in place to hold people accountable to making sure that they um, play correctly, even up until the last second. I'm so. glad you brought up the money aspect of it, too, because for all the people that are just basically incensed that he has the right to appeal this suspension, if you were going to lose 93 grand, wouldn't it? Like, I look at it this way I've gotten a traffic violation in my life and I've tried to get it reduced to a lesser charge to save me from points or to get the fine to go down. Sometimes I'll even see if there's any way I can pull a string and get out of the thing altogether. This is basically what we're talking about on a much larger scale. Absolutely. I don't blame him. I mean, I would do the same thing in his position, uh, but I think regardless of whether it's four games or if you get reduced to two or whatever, you know, that's a, even if you make $2 million a year or however much he makes, I don't really know how much he makes, but that, that's a significant amount of money regardless. So, you know, that's, that's, that's good to see that happen. And have you ever had success getting out of your speeding tickets? Um, I have good. Yes. Good for you. I have, <laughs> I was, and, no. and I, I was, um, and I actually had success getting my son out of one that was much more important because he was going much faster than I ever would. <laughs> All yeah. right. Maybe yeah. not never, but you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. I know what you're saying. Now I want to bring up one more thing. If you have a second, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was at a wedding on Saturday. Like my, my girlfriend's family is definitely not a sports fan family for sure. Cause the ceremony was at right and smack dab in the middle of the OSU game. The reception was uh, during the Blue Jackets game, which I guess that's there's there's twelve OSU games a year, you know. That, yep. that, but there's eighty two Blue Jackets games. That's a little more excusable, that you know. So no. So what are you game. saying? There's only twelve games a year, and somebody can't pick a different day to get married. Is that your point? Well, that would be that, okay. That's my first point. But the second <laughs> point, I I was not allowed to listen to the Buckeye game at all during you know the, during the afternoon. I was told even afterward, no, your AirPods will look tacky. Don't do it. Huh. But then. I'm, I'm helping out at the reception. You know, the reception ends at like 930 our time, and I'm helping with the cleanup. So at this point, I'm like, all right, dear. Like, I, I'm going to listen to the Jackets game. If I have to help clean up, I'm going to put Bobby Mack's voice on here, on my headphones. You know, no one has to, else has to listen to it, but I'm listening. If I'm stringing up, if I'm wrapping up the Christmas lights from the decorations, I'm listening to this game. So that's what I did, and, you know <laughs> – I don't know. What do you think about that, Bob? Do you think I was being tacky or do you think, cause she ultimately agreed. She's like, yeah, you go ahead and do that. But um, what, what are your thoughts there? I'm curious. Well, I, I guess, I guess my, my initial thought is I'm good enough for the cleanup, but not the main event in her mind. <laughs> anyway, um, but, um, boy, I don't know. You know, I'm with you. I would have, I would have tried to, to listen all day if there was a way I could have pulled it off. But uh Hey, I'm just glad that you got permission to listen to me at the very end. So, you know, I, I'm just happy about that at the end of the day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm, <laughs> I almost ripped the Christmas lights out of their socket when, when uh, let, let's see, what was the goal? When Fantilli, Fantilli scored the goal, I knew that would, would be the like, one. <laughs> oh, yes. I couldn't barely contain my excitement because, you know, I'm talking to people too. Like, I can't let anyone really know that I'm listening to the game, but right. you know, I'm talking and suddenly I just go, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, and, anyway, they, just, and, and the funny thing was, their question was, do you really hate me? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, yeah. I didn't. What? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did the bride look fat in her dress? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess, hey, cleanup would have been over. You'd have just gotten tossed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that, yeah, but short term, maybe that would have been a good thing. Yeah, I was going to say, term, think about that next time. That would be good until you get to the car. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How could yeah. you say that? <laughs> it's Adam Fantilli's no. fault. It's not my fault. Yeah, blame it on Fantastic Fantilli. Yeah, I, I like that goal call too. By the way, thank Bob. you very much. I appreciate it. So, all right, appreciate Noah, it. Thanks for being part of the show today. Have a good day. You too, man. Appreciate it. All right, uh, Cincy Jackets fan. I did get a. Uh, I did get a message, even though we weren't able to connect on spaces. Says, not sure what happened there. My question was on Liam Foody. What do you make of his time with the Blue Jackets? I was a bit surprised to see that he was placed on waivers while they had other options. I kind of feel for the guy. It didn't seem as though he got a fair shot in his development. Well, you know, I I understand. I understand uh, you feeling like that and the other the other options. Yeah, there there were options. I mean, you could have sent your check right back down. He wouldn't have to clear waivers. You could have sent Cole Sillinger down. He wouldn't have had to clear waivers. I don't think either one of those things would have been the smart thing to do. Maybe you could have put Bemstrom on waivers and see if you could sneak him through. But, uh, you know, they obviously they wanted him in the lineup. But for Liam Foody, I'm actually glad that he got picked up by Nashville. And I'm not glad because... He's a bad guy, and, and I'm glad he's gone. And I, not that at all. It's the exact opposite of that. I mean, he's a former first round pick. You know, he has some promise. He did go through that season two years ago where he missed almost the entire year with an injury. Then last year, they were afraid to expose him to waivers because they thought they would lose him. And he was healthy, scratched a lot. He didn't get an opportunity to play a lot in his time with the Blue Jackets. And I'm hopeful for him that he'll get that opportunity with the Nashville Predators because he's a good guy and he's got, uh, he definitely has upside. And again, when you see former first rounders go on waivers, you know, teams that, that draws the team's attention. If it's an undrafted free agent that goes on waivers, that's one thing. If it's a seventh round pick that goes on waivers, that's one thing. It's a former first round pick, you know, Hey, maybe we can make something of this guy. So, I'm glad Liam got taken because I hope he's going somewhere where he's going to get an opportunity to play. It just hasn't happened here for different reasons, and now is this roster continues to get more and more talented with uh, a lot of you know young guys that are going to play and were drafted. Maybe they were drafted first in the first round, and they're in a higher first-round position than him or whatever. So, um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It didn't work out for him here, but that being said, uh, hopefully he's going somewhere where he's going to get the opportunity to show that he can play the game and he could be a regular for somebody. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's go back to spaces and talk to Ray on this Monday mailbag. Hello, Ray. Welcome. Unmute yourself and ask away. 
If you would like, Ray, you got to unmute it. Simple as that. I can't hear you until I can hear you. So give Ray a second to unmute and uh, get things going. Oh, there was another part of that uh, question by the uh, Cincy Jackets fan. Said, uh, oh, that was just talking about Liam Foody. I'm sorry. There was another another part there that uh, I didn't see, saying I thought he had great potential, but understand how he got squeezed out, and hopefully he'll find success. Yeah, pretty much everything I just said. So that's good. Whenever you're saying what I'm saying, you are dead on right 50% of the time. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, Ray has disappeared, so I guess Ray's not going to be on the show today. But thanks to all of you who have been on the show today, and thanks to all of you who have uh, sent me a question on X. It has been great. Blue Jackets, a couple of games uh, this week, three of them this week. As a matter of fact, again, going to be at home tomorrow night at 6.30 and then going to be at home on Saturday night. That'll be a 7 o'clock game, and... This is honestly, this is truly how my life is. I'm not making this up. Like, I had to just bring up the schedule to see who we play Saturday because I'm very seldom more than two games out. I just, like, like I know, like when somebody said earlier, uh, when Lester was on and he said, well, there's this big road trip coming up in, you know, January to February. I know that. I can't tell you all the cities. That's a Western Canada trip. I know that. And then at the end, there's a trip, and yeah, I, I know I know that. But what teams do we play in that? I, I don't know. So my whole point is I'm only a couple of games out, and I know that Anaheim's here tomorrow, and I know that we go to Montreal on Thursday, but it's the Islanders that are here on Saturday for Hockey Halloween. Does that make sense? The Islanders, do they scare you? I don't know. We'll find out on Saturday. It is a big night on Saturday, though, for that uh, hockey Halloween because there will be trick-or-treating in the concourse starting at 6 o'clock when the game's open for kids, and kids are going to get a uh, Stinger trick-or-treat bucket or bag or something for the candy, and they can go around and trick-or-treat on the concourse starting at 6 o'clock, and the game gets underway at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. So tomorrow night, 6.30. Again, I'm saying it to tell me, not you. Tell me and you. Whatever. You know. 6.30 tomorrow against the Ducks. In Montreal Thursday. At home against the Islanders on Saturday at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. You want tickets? Get them by going online to bluejackets.com. I think I've covered everything today. I hope I have. If I didn't, we'll get to it next week. And hopefully next week we'll be just as joyous with the Blue Jackets results as this week turned out to be. Once again, thanks for listening today, all of you who have done it live. And I want to remind you, try to do it live every Monday at 1 o'clock. Sometimes time has to fluctuate based on travel or what's going on, but try to do it live at 1 o'clock, and you can listen live on Spaces, on X, formerly Twitter, and uh, join me like that. Or maybe, maybe you're joining me right now as a podcast that you can find Wherever you find your favorite podcast, just subscribe to CBJ Radio. So there you go. Bases are now officially covered, and that will wrap up this Monday Mailbag Edition. And uh, we'll get ready to do it next week. I will see you 
well, maybe not see you, but I will talk to you tomorrow night at 6.30 when the Blue Jackets take on the Anaheim Ducks at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.